Welcome to the MFR Coaches Podcast, where we talk about how you can create your own MFR business, how to have one, and what to do to get started. Each week, we will discuss practical ways to create a business that keeps you from under-earning and burning out. I'm your host, Heather Hommel. Over 10 years ago, I decided to change my massage practice to MFR only. I became fully booked and have enjoyed years of success helping people to get out of pain and return to active lifestyles. I'm here to help you do it too, even if you live in a tiny town and even if you've never had a business before. Let's go. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the MFR Coaches Podcast. Today, we are in for a very special treat. We have Serena Hicks, who is the big happy money life coach, and she is also a mastermind sister with me. And that is how I have the amazing opportunity to get to know her and to put her onto this podcast for all of your brains to absorb her amazingness. So welcome to the podcast, Serena. Thank you, Heather. Hey, y'all. Happy to be here. (laughs) Yeah, this is going to be awesome. So you are the big happy money coach. Tell me a little more about what that means. I'm going to dive right in and tell you, I was on a consult with a coach who I currently work with just over a year ago. And I knew I wanted to work with her, but fundamentally I did not have the money available. So for those listening, I'm all about abundance and money. Also, yeah, man, I didn't have the money available. I'm not like, (laughs) it's all magic. You can make a million if you just think of it this hour. (laughs) So I remember being like, oh, I want to hire you. And... I knew I was going to invest in a different, not the one that I get to be sisters with Heather in, but a different mastermind just over a year ago. And I was like, you know, I didn't have any credit available, blah, blah, blah. So it was like, it felt very one or the other. And she interrupted me. This is Maggie Reyes. And if you guys don't follow Maggie in the Marriage MBA and her podcast, you're welcome. Heather That's and I right. have now gifted Everybody you. Everybody start following Maggie. Yes. Go get it. Secretly, she coaches on love and relationships. But as a business coach, as someone who makes a ton of money, I can assure you it's same same fundamental laws of the universe are in play. And um, that's not why I hired her. But just so you know, all the time, I'm like, God, this is brilliant. (laughs) And she was like, listen, lady, I only take and so she called it happy money. So um, oh, dear, I'm gonna forget his name. It's Ken Kiyosaki, I think, but he wrote a book called happy money. And she was like, I only take happy money. That's money that you were happy to spend with me. So first, I was like, Oh, wow, that's phenomenal. And that is definitely something that I coach and teach. And Heather, we can just talk about it right now. It's like, listen, We as service providers, so I know that you listening are not all coaches, many are service providers, Mm -hmm. but we get to decide and believe that the people who hire us are happy to hire us. Yes. Just like if you've ever had a major plumbing issue and a plumber shows up, I suggest you be happy that they're yeah. going to come solve. Like, is it when it's on a Sunday yeah. or something or Labor right. Day or whatever. Oh my God. Such a good example. My Grammy's heat went out. Grammy's 94. Grammy's yeah. heat went out and someone came over like on a Sunday. I'm happy. How much you want? Thank mm-hmm. you for keeping my very mm-hmm. senior citizen grandmother warm while she lives alone. So I liked the principle that she taught me. Spoiler alert. I hired her just about a year later. That's some of the best money I've ever spent. Talk about big happy money. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was in a different place financially for that reason. And so then when I started reading this gentleman's book, Happy Money, which I do recommend, I liked very much of it. But then he lost me as there was much more of a focus on conventional wisdom of like, you know, and saving up to a million mm-hmm. and being particularly prudent. And that is where our roads diverge, if you will. I yes. like him. I respect him. I thank him. But to be clear, the difference in my world, what I talk about big, happy money is it is expansion at every opportunity. So where so many people are like, first pay off all your debt, then consider what you can invest in to make more money. 
I'm over here like, no, y'all first learn how to make big, happy money because you can pay all of your debt, easy, breezy, lemon, squeezy after you fundamentally have more than enough money coming in to support you and resource you so that you are long-term sustainable and have more than a, you know, one day emergency fund. So when I talk about long-term sustainable, and I want to talk about that, especially with your clients, it's like, unfortunately, sometimes you will get sick or there will be family emergencies that will tear you away from your business and your literal healing hands. And so we want the kind of money that allows for that. It's not like, you know, we have just enough as long as everything works, which is how I used to live previously. Yes. If I never get sick and the economy (laughs) doesn't dip and nothing goes sideways, I had just enough. That is so hard on a nervous system. Yeah. So talk to me about this a little more. This is just enough lifestyle, which I think many of the therapists listening to this. I'm remembering it. Heather's yeah, watching my face. I've like turned red. Everything's tissue memory like, coming up right now. That's yes. exactly what it is. Yeah. Fuck, that's hard. It's it is so hard. hard. It's I so feel like hard. I kind of live in this syndrome too, like just enough syndrome. But when oh, I, I when I think about like what is possible beyond yeah. that, right? Like just yeah. ex- just even having like an, a thought beyond just enough. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden your just enough becomes more. Like it's mm-hmm. like more and more and more. Yes that you can create, but you have to have that thought on purpose and intentionally. Just like you were having the thought on purpose before I make just enough. I get by. Oh, that was exactly right. That was my whole identity was a form of struggle, which I think we all inherited. So my original career was as a TV producer. So Mm -hmm. I feel very qualified to talk about the messages we get from media (laughs) because I helped build them. Yes. (laughs) There's some, you know, I wasn't intentionally trying to be problematic. We were all doing the best we could. I brag that I came from MTV News and we took truth telling very seriously. But at the end of the day, images, we've all sort of been conditioned, men, women, children, people of color, all of us to like, if you're very lucky, one in a billion will make it as a musician. If you're very lucky, one in a billion will make it as an athlete. And there's such a murkiness into how we actually make money and have enough and what is possible for us. And I think that that's, I don't want to say by design, because I don't think 150 years ago, you know, 10 white men sat down and were like, how can we screw everyone? I don't think that's what went down. They just had inherited a scarcity mindset and they were just living out their trauma responses. I mean, if you even think of the white people who settled, you know, we're here in the United States or I'm in the United States, I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, but like, I am too. <laughs> right. I was like, wait, I think I know where you are. Yeah. Um, you think about the white people who came over and, you know, settled and did horrible things to, um, you know, the First Nations people, but it's like, yeah, man, they were fully traumatized. And I don't mm-hmm. just mean the boat ride. Yeah. They were, they're just know, acting out what they thought what they were supposed to do. What? Well, they were just acting out what they inherited. Like medieval yeah. times were hard on a human body. Right. And plagues and crusades. So it's like, yeah, hurt people hurt people. Not to make yeah. any excuses, but just to right. clarify that like none of us come from super rested, relaxed nervous systems. All of us (laughs) in the year of our Lord 2021 are doing what none of our ancestors necessarily had time to do, Mm -hmm. which is be like, what is this bullshit? And do I choose to keep it or untangle it? Yeah. And I think that's so important to point out too. It's like, can you take a pause? Like all of the therapists listening, can you just take a pause in your body for a second? Like deep breath in and then just decide what are all the rules you're following when it comes to money, when it comes to setting your prices that are really just bullshit ideas, someone else's ideas that are keeping you small, keeping you under earning and keeping you from expanding into your full potential. 
literally, we all just inherited systems of oppression. Yeah. And I'm like into this time on this planet now because so many of us are so powerfully being like, hard stop, this is no longer acceptable. Mm-hmm. We see it with misogyny, we see it with racism. And for me, Big Happy Money is also a social justice issue mm-hmm. because it is rejecting. So just in case anyone's like, who is this bitch? Let's be clear. <laughs> it is rejecting. I am not here to be like, you can make big happy money once you get perfect. Right. Once you act more professional, once you have 17 degrees, I'm asking everyone listening to do the inside out work. Like it will twist you inside out in the best way, but it will suck at first to see the true and deep long lasting value in what you offer, especially in the work that you guys, gals, yes. humans are doing. Yes. And stand in the power of that. And then finding the clients who are like, yep, I want to I want to enroll in that. I'm ready for that. That Heather's heard me say this. Your pricing, and I ask everyone, consider your pricing to be expansive for the client. Not expensive. Yeah, not expensive. Expansive. expansive. Yeah. Much like if someone chooses to invest in a degree from Harvard. I did not have that opportunity, nor did I give a shit. But <laughs> if you had told me as an 18-year-old you could go to Harvard, I would have I would have done anything. Right. Because 18-year-old Serena in the late 90s would have had a just the self-concept that I would have stepped into if I, quote, enrolled at Harvard, like that would have been expansive for me. Even if they were like, you'll be, you know, 800000 in debt, I would have been like, and I'll, I'll learn so much that I just know I'll make up for it. Yeah. So when we say expansive, it's like, sometimes we forget that our pricing sets a tone for our clients. Mm-hmm. It's one of our first transformations. Yeah. Do they value this? Yeah. Are they all in? Are they in it to the finish line or are they hoping for a quick fix? Which yes, we really want, like as an MFR therapist, we really want our clients to come in and be bought in till the finish line. And that might take, you know, a year before they, their knee doesn't hurt. Right. It might feel better after one or two sessions, but it really might be a year because maybe they live with that pain for 15 years. Right. Why shouldn't it take a year or longer too sometimes? Right. Right. (laughs) Well, Everybody also, is so sped up. Everything has to be a quick fix and I've got to like, mm-mm. and it has to be cheap mm-mm, mm-mm. and it has to be accessible to everyone. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about accessible. What yeah, is accessible? Tell me about, tell me your thoughts on pricing accessibility. I like to stretch stuff out and look at the long-term sustainability of a thing. You know what? I'm going to give you an example. <laughs> I always laugh. I'm like unauthorized everybody, but so far the lawyers have not called to yell at me and I don't think they will, but they could. <laughs> Here's the story. Many thousand moons ago, young Serena worked at MTV News on election coverage in the year of 2000. For everybody my age, that was the Bush Gore brouhaha. I remember. Who okay. <laughs> do I too? So <laughs> here, here I am. I was a production assistant. So I was paid $100 a day as a perma freelance because at that time, I don't know how it functions now, but this is, y'all, this will explain why I big happy money now. The production department, meaning who put together the shows in the news department, was a permanent freelance opportunity. So everybody was on a project for six to eight weeks. I was very lucky to be hired for Choose or Lose because it was a full one-year contract that was literally unheard of. Yeah. So let's just start from the Big Happy Money point of view. I met my boss, Betsy, who was a woman so ahead of her time. I've just lived for her always. A very platinum blonde white woman from Boston named Betsy. Okay. So woman ahead of her time, y'all. So she ultimately hired me great. And it was a year long contract. So something I figured out 
in my first few weeks because I hadn't actually graduated from college yet. So I'd interviewed to be on camera, which they did not hire me for. And I sent this huge thank you note and explained I would do anything. You know, I'm the daughter of a truck driver. So mm-hmm. I was like, listen, I'm whatever it takes. I'll be in New York when I graduate. And long story short, she gave me a job. So, so many of my peers had like MFAs from NYU and film. Yeah. So they were not amused with this shit. They were like, who is the 21 year old from Texas who doesn't even have an undergraduate degree? <laughs> so I just want to offer looking back 20 years, what I had was Schutzpah, a willingness to work. And I, I told her, I told everyone on, you know, who was going to be hiring. So mm-hmm. it's not that I had my very fancy, like the reason they were annoyed is they're like, I have all these degrees and spent 150,000. Yeah. Like, who are you to just get in who here, the, right? Who do you think you are? Because right? you and asked like, to be there. You that's asked. exactly it. I yeah. was like, I asked and my boss always, this is to this day one of our jokes. I sent a whole bunch of baked goods. Y'all, this was pre-September 11th. As a reminder, <laughs> that was 2011. So Before you never, could, when you could send when, things. When you could sell baked goods, right. When they yeah. would clear the mail room in under a month. So that was part yeah. of our joke, unfortunately, after yes. September 11th. Yes. But she's like, look, Anybody can be a production assistant. You just have to be ready to work 14-hour days. Mm. But she was like, not everyone knew to bribe me with desserts. And that is why you got the job. (laughs) She's like, total unapologetic sweet tooth. So like, that's it. But it was just me being me, which for all of your practitioners, I want them to remember or know your clients come to you for you, not just your truly healing hands, Mm -hmm. not just your truly valuable training, but also for you. So like, let your freak flag fly. Even if you're like freak flag is I live for Pottery Barn and Beige. Whatever. Just like do <laughs> you're you. Yes. Right? I mean, it's freaky. Yeah. <laughs> but like whatever. Yeah. Be yourself because that is literally what got me, what I figured out shortly was such a coveted job. Not just the year long, but to work for and with Betsy. Mm-hmm. So one of the moments that I fell in love with Betsy was we ended up doing a DEI training. So this is MTV, the parent company, all of Viacom. And so we had to like spend a day and it was like a big thing. You guys, this is in 2000. So again, this is ahead of its time. This is way before. None of us had cell phones. (laughs) None of us had cell phones. No, no. I had like a cell phone, but like you couldn't even like navigate. I remember when one of my interns pulled out her cell phone to navigate New York City and I was like, what the hell? I used to have to print out map guys. Yeah, where's your map quest direction? Totally. <laughs> like I used to print that shit. What are you doing over there? Marty. <laughs> so we're at DEI and everyone's like, you know, smiling and nodding because we all want to be good contributors. And since your listeners may not know me, I am half black. I consider myself a black woman, a brown mm-hmm. woman. Okay. So Betsy stands up with her platinum bond hair and literally call- she just calls bullshit. She was like, this is a really great dog and pony show, but we don't actually have diversity because the fact of the matter is the rules were production assistants like myself made $100 a day before taxes. That was $24,000 a year before NYC taxes. My take home was about $15,000 in 2000. And if you all know anything about anything, to find roommate rent for less than $1,000 was unheard of in New York City. So she was like, you got to be rich to work here. It's fine. We hire people who are different colors sometimes, but this isn't actually diverse because everybody who either comes in as a production assistant, like 99% of my peers were from the tri-state area, meaning they were able to live at home, which is the only way they could afford that price point, if you will. So like you wouldn't even think to apply for that job unless you were at a certain level of- You just had to have money. You had to have money. could take care of you or you just had money. Yes. Yes. That's exactly right because we got a day rate in case anyone missed that, which meant- I never did because I worked for Betsy, but people slept under their desk. There was no nine to five, so you couldn't pick up a second job. 
And so what I want to point out as far as patriarchal programming is it was the perfect plan. Sumner Redstone used to run Viacom, which owned MTV. Shame on him. So the thing was, it kept us hyper competitive as production assistants, Mm -hmm. because most projects were only four to six weeks. So we would all work as long as it took because we all knew, you know, there's only so many jobs. And we all wanted to be the one who got the phone call for the next job. Yeah. So you've got a bunch of people who are overworking for way too little money in this hyper-competitive, you know, environment. And it's like, of course, they set it up as a permanent freelance environment like that. It yeah. meant we competed against each other. And I see that in the entrepreneurial space and mm-hmm. so often with service providers. They're yeah. saying, I can't raise my rates. No one will pay it. It's almost like, again, the old system is set it up like that system. Yeah, just do a bunch copy and paste what everybody else is doing yes. versus like, what is like the value of the skill set that I have? Yes. And how am I changing lives with that? Yes. What, is, what is the the value of that? Yes. Instead and of like, because my degree is massage therapy, I'm going to just charge what the massage therapist does down the road, even though maybe they've never, ever even had continuing education after they graduated, right? Exactly that. And let me tell you, the smartest people, because I witnessed it, I didn't know what I know now, so <laughs> I didn't do it back then. But people would be a production assistant for three or four months, they would leave, they would go somewhere else, and they would come back as an associate producer, which was an entirely different pay rate. Mm-hmm. And they'd do that for one or two projects, and they'd leave and they'd come back. So those who ended up making actual money, people did. Again, I, I was too scared. Were the ones who just opted out of the game. Yeah. They would do one or two projects and leave and be like, fuck y'all. That's not what I, uh, I need yeah. 250 a day. And they had the leveraging power and it literally just comes down to their sheer audacity. Yeah. And as you just said, they just chose to believe in like what they offered. They were like, yeah. And then I worked over there and then I worked over there. So I'm exponentially more valuable than what you guys are trying to say is quote my peers with love, no hate, mm-hmm. but because, you know, they're like, I've left the MTV bubble. I learned yeah. this and I learned that. So so now I know that not. I have this opportunity to opt yes. in at a different level. Yeah. Yes. And for your practitioners, it's like, and I know you coach on this, it's like yeah. the opportunity is for them to each see their individual value adds. Yes. Yeah. And by value add, including culture add. And I don't yeah. just mean like racially, I just mean like, where'd you grow up? How old are you? Are you divorced? Like when we all start to see every inch of exactly who we are mm-hmm. as like, this adds to the work that I do. Yeah. Instead of this accounts against me. Right. right? Because I have so many like single moms that contact me and they're like, I can't afford to do coaching or I can't afford to do this, 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 Mm -hmm. this. I can't do MFR only because. And it's like they're hanging on to their PTA jobs or their massage therapy jobs in addition to trying to start up their own thing because that feels like safety. But it's it's actually the thing that is creating the environment for them to never be able to get to get a leg up. And yes. to make the money that they could. And so say they invest money working with me. Yeah. They learn how to continually make money the rest of their lives on demand. Yeah. Yeah. Why that. is that so scary? <laughs> well, because we're not in very on purpose back to patriarchal programming. Yeah. Especially for women. We're all trained up that we need to be reliant on a man. We were property not long ago. Actually, I know you know yeah. this. Our coach posted that like as a reminder – in 74, 1974, that is so not long ago, still a woman couldn't get a credit card without a man. Yeah. I was like born five years after that. Like that yeah. is in my lifetime. Do you know yes. what I mean? Like, yes. My husband's only, my husband was born in 75. Yes. That's like crazy to me. It's crazy to me too. And then I even think of like my mom bought a franchise and she ended up having to borrow money from her family because no one else would like loan her money. And like she talked about, you know, bankers hitting on her all the time in the 80s. And I'm like, what? She's a single mom. 
And she's like, oh, yeah, I went to all the banks and they'd all hit on me, but nobody would give me a loan. And I just, it makes me, again, for me, big happy money, especially women. We love our men who support us. But like, yes, especially there's a lot of great, fabulous men, but still. Hey, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. To be clear, this is not yeah. anti man. This is like. No. And I have a lot of male clients and they are awesome too. <laughs> I believe that. If they yes. work with you, I know they know. Yes, they're, they're but the like, smartest. It's like a social justice issue to me because so many women, that is the story. I can't because I have to hold on to this. I have to be prudent. And it's like, yeah, that is patriarchal programming. Mm -hmm. We have been conditioned to be so-called prudent. The fact that so many people think an employer is a safe bet, like blows my mind. I don't think that's safe. No. No. I enjoy driving the car. Yes. I agree. Yeah. And also like just because someone employs you doesn't mean you could be unemployed by them the next day. Like they owe you you nothing. They (laughs) They owe you nothing. Yeah. Our grandparents, our grandparents came up in a world where you could be devoted to a company and they were devoted to you. Yeah. That world is over. Yeah. That world is over. It doesn't matter how good of an employee you are. Like you're just totally replaceable. 100%. In 2008, I still remember I was still in New York, like Lehman Brothers and you know, the financial like folding, if you will. But I, mm-hmm. I just, I remember it was such a pivotal moment in my life when Bear Stearns folded just because I didn't know a lot about a lot, but I'm like, but aren't they old as time? Like, yeah. <laughs> how do these things that are not supposed to fail, how do they fail? Right. How do they stop? And oh that's where gosh. I'm like, okay, learning how to make money, which especially how you coach and teach, which is totally big, happy money, because it's not how do I pull a fast one? How do I make a fast buck? Yeah. How do I con people into wanting to buy my own? No. Right. And how do I, (laughs) it's like, no, people want it. People want it. And like, why? Well, I know why we're too afraid to believe that they want it. I think is we were told not to. Yeah. And step two, it's like, if we just focus on all the people that don't want it, then we can problem solve. Right. (laughs) That's not, that's Mm -mm. not the, the fix. The fix is focusing on the people that do want it, that want to pay you money. And yeah. that are happy to pay it instead yeah. of all of Literally. the time wasted focusing on the people that don't want it. Yeah. Because here's the thing. There is a client at exactly every price point. Yes. Also, there is a critic at every price point. Mm-hmm. So we can never, ever price low enough so that we don't field complaints about this is too much. <laughs> like, yeah. Even if it's free, someone's going to be like, it's not accessible because I don't like your location. Like, Yeah. There will have to always work that day, be the day that it's free. Yeah. 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 Why won't yeah. you do it at, at 1 a.m.? Like, well, I have to Could have you boundaries. Come to my house. <laughs> oh, my God. Literally, this is it. And so yeah. it's like, okay, what is accessible? I think accessible is when we create a sustainable business. And I like the idea. I think Danielle Leslie, of course, from scratch to a pyramid once that I really loved, mm-hmm. where it's like, first, we just need to fill our practice. Mm-hmm. After that, we can do things that we couldn't. And I guess the example I want to offer is at a very challenging time in my life, there was a free 30-day meditation challenge by Oprah and Deepak Chopra. Oh yeah. I think I've done that before. (laughs) It was very important to me at that time. And I remember thinking though, they can do that because they have an entire like teams who get to roll out this beautiful, valuable, powerful thing. Mm -hmm. And if they were both still trying to barely make ends meet, barely make it and struggle, I spent most of my professional life there. You know, what I like about and what I want to offer big happy money when you have more than enough, as we talked about, it's like the concept of a cup runneth over. There's more than enough. So if you decide you have one client a week, who's your like cherished, this is free. It invites the practitioner to be much more discerning about how they're doing that. Not from Mm -hmm. a colonial thinking, I have to save this person, but from like, 
I get to choose a person who I fully believe in and I'm going to devote the next year or whatever. Right. But in the meantime, they're not risking betting or potentially sacrificing their long-term health and wellness. Yeah. By overworking just to feel good enough about what they do so they can give it away. It's just playing into the patriarchy. The patriarchy loves overworked people because we burn out instead of burning bright. Mm. And that's, I'm like, patriarchy loves that shit. Oh, you exhausted yourself in two years. Yay. Good job. Medicine for that. Yeah, we have medicine. Let me give you a prescription. Yeah, Let me oh help my you gosh. with that. Like that's it. And and you can come work here for too little money and feel undervalued and we'd like to sell you all these things. And it's like mm-hmm. when a person, a human claims their inherent worthiness and the value of what they had and you know have inside, inside who they are, mm-hmm. and they choose to charge enough so that they more than enough. So that they are like, Okay, hey, I'm gonna be fed. Yeah. I'm gonna have time to sleep. I'm gonna have time yeah. to vacation. Even if and I get to sideways. enjoy myself. I get to. Yes. Yeah. I know when I first tell people how to really think about their pricing and yeah. I'm like, literally what you charge is totally made up. Yeah. The only thing oh you need to know is how much are your bills? Yeah. Right. How much do you yeah. want to cover them? Yeah. How much more do you want to put in your pocket? Now come up with a number. Yeah. It's all of a sudden like they look like they're going to die because they yeah. get to pick the number and that it's like a. Like there's a right or a wrong. And it's like, oh, literally, how much money do you want? It's that so is subversive. how you pick your price. It is so subversive. Yeah. Like to the whole system. I know. The it's so naughty, like, but it's so good. Right? right? If everybody was, <laughs> if we could teach everyone to do it, like I'm going to teach over a hundred people in this MFR community to do that in 2022. Yes. That's a hundred people who are suddenly going to be like, do you know, I create my life. Do yeah. you know, I create my life. I help a shit ton of people and I still feel good in my body and I get to rest and vacation and interact with my family the way I designed myself to be able to interact with them. Not because it's the right thing to do or Mm -hmm. what I've been programmed to want to do. Right. Like right. Have dinner on the table at five and sit around smiling at each other, (laughs) whatever it is, you know, like that's really not very fun for me. But my husband likes to make dinner, so that's his job, right? And then I Perfect. get to do the things I like to do because I don't put the pressure on myself to have to be the one that makes the dinner. Okay, again, this is so subversive mm-hmm. for the old systems of oppression. There's so yeah. much authenticity in what you're talking about. And like for someone to claim proper pricing and that they are going to have and steward big happy money, it literally just like implodes all of the old systems of smile and nod and whatever anyone else wants and people pleasing and overextend yourself. It's yeah. such a like, Ooh. talk to me about stewardship of money and what that yeah. looks like so that people understand like when you have money, you don't just mm-hmm. become a bad person. <laughs> no, money is just <laughs> right? like fire. Yeah. It can cook your food. It can burn your house down. Yeah. Ooh. It can do really good stuff. It can do really bad stuff. It so say that again. On- okay. So yeah. money is like fire. Yeah. It can cook your food. You can enjoy a fireplace. It can be so beautiful and helpful and powerful. Like fire, you know, has run train train engines and like fire is such a good thing. Yeah, and it can heat your house. It can do horrible things. It can kill you. It can burn your house down instead of heating. Like mm-hmm. fire has fire is responsible for all sorts of unspeakable tragedies. <laughs> okay, now that like, we've got that out. It's <laughs> it's just it's a tool. It's yeah. A, it, we and money is too, the tool, right? Yeah. Same. Also, same water. 
Water is amazing and it will keep you alive and it can be used for actual forms of torture and it has yeah. killed people like right. water. But no one walks around all day like afraid of water. I mean, maybe some yeah. people do, but like it's not constantly on my mind. But no. I think about money every day. It's not the cultural norm yeah. to assign power to water or fire. We understand yeah. it is a tool for transformation. Yeah. How you yield it or don't yield it, mm-hmm. you know, will have to do with how things work out with you and fire and or water. Money is the same as my offer. And it's also like love. Like this country in particular was built on a scarcity mindset. And again, if you want to rewind from that, I'm like, because the white people who came from Europe were mm, traumatized. And then they traumatized everyone they found. And then they brought people over and traumatized them. And so we've all just been running amok in our trauma yeah. for a solid 150 years. <laughs> like, it's good job, us. Yes. It's a mess. But again, we have tools that our ancestors did not have access to. Not just talking of trauma and not just the release work that you and your clients do. But like, you know, we are here because they did what they did. So thank you to exactly all ancestors. Yeah. And we'll take the bull by the horns and, you know, handle this shit now. Right. So that our descendants can live, you know, even better. So like all this trauma is just running amok. And like, that's the whole story in the scarcity is like, well, there's not enough. So we need to compete against each other and we need to have, you know, extraction. Like when you think of even the concept of slavery, I'm like, obviously it's horrific and it's based on not enough. Oh, yeah. I couldn't actually pay people a fair wage. That wouldn't work. Right. Isn't that so? It's so crazy. It's so crazy. So I'm going to pay this money to do that and all of this bad behavior. And it's like, okay. What if, and guys, I'm being sarcastic. By what if, I mean, join me here. Okay. Come in. When you think, come in, come here. I'm being sarcastic with my what if. Okay. (laughs) Think about what if money were like love in that it is an energy. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when it comes to love, if you think of someone you love or an animal, whatever it takes, but like when you think of holding that person you love or I have cats or whatever is going on, it creates more love. Yeah. If you think of holding your kid or your cat or your beloved or your parent or whoever just lights you up, the idea of being in a loving embrace and saying, I love you back and forth creates more love. Yes, totally. Okay. Here's where I want to blow everyone's mind. Same with money. When you move money, when you are open to the energy of money, it's more. It's now we're going to go back to water. Stagnant water is not good. Stagnant water creates death Mm -hmm. and disease. Flowing mm-hmm. water is health. Mm-hmm. Money is same, same. And so many of us have been taught, you got to save your way to, re- I mean, you got to worry about just... retirement from the yeah. minute you are out of utero. Yes, <laughs> that's it. And everything's coming from a scarcity, you know, worry, worry, worry mindset. And while I'm not like, oh, just spend everything all day, every day, it'll always work out. There is a gaping difference between the idea of, you know, saving up so that somewhere in your you can then have some fun in your life. Mm-hmm. OMG versus <laughs> creating an actual life that you love that involves money moving. We already even talked about this in economics. What is a recession? People stop spending their money. Yeah. That's it. That's all it is. It's not that the money went away. No. Everyone's just hoarding it. Yeah. So it's like stagnant water, which again creates disease and death. And yeah. then when money starts flowing again, suddenly we're in a boon. And I'm like, hey, geniuses, this is available to us always. <laughs> always. Yeah. Always and in all ways. Like, literally. Don't, yeah. Exactly what you just said. Always and in all ways. And it's like, oh, the more that you are, I always make this analogy. It's like eating and pooping. Mm-hmm. You got to eat and you got to poop. 
You got to take money that. in. You're welcome. Yeah. It's a visual, but you'll get it. You got to take <laughs> I, money I, in I'm and you got to move it out. Yes. Some people are like, I just want to take it in. And once I've saved up to 500,000, then I'm, I'm like, no, man, you're creating mm-hmm. stagnation. This is law of the universe. Right. If you're hoarding it, you're not actually having it. Yeah. And sometimes I think when you're so focused on like your debt, I do want to talk about debt before we run out of time. Okay. Because I, I love, love your, I love your idea of that. So <laughs> I was just thinking, and we had like a brief talk about this because I just hired a financial coach and you mm-hmm. were like, you know, be very careful that no one gives you the advice that you need to slow down your spending in yeah. order to yep. create more money, right? Yeah. Your, your advice is basically like learn how to create more money. More than enough. More than enough. More than enough. Yep. Yeah. And like keep focusing on that than like, yep. oh, I need to, you know, yeah, start. Don't scrubbing. cut back. Expand. Yeah. Don't. This is not the time to cut back. Right. Yeah. Expand. But that doesn't mean like go out and free spend and be crazy, but it does mean like consciously learn how to make yes. more money and how yes. to help more people and yes. all of those things. When I took that advice, I was like, yeah, like I don't need to feel bad that I have, no. you know, expenditures, but. I have a reason behind everything I'm spending, right? And it's to help a lot of people and to help myself gain the knowledge that I need so that I can help at an even higher level, like so that my brain is working at an even better, faster, more expansive way. And when I'm contracting to conserve or to go along with the patriarchy, I'm just, I'm smaller and I and make less. yourself off, literally okay. cutting yourself off. I'm literally cutting myself off. From yeah. the divine, from connection, like money is literally a way to connect. So I'm never here for mindless spending. And just so we're clear, like I'll buy whatever the fuck I want, like mm-hmm. whenever I want at this point in my career. But like it's with mostly joy, like being intentional. Yeah, because you my can. Orange, not just because I can, but also, well, I can because I did. So mm-hmm. back when I had barely any money and still, I mean, honestly, this time last year, Bills were still interesting. Very yeah. interesting. Let's talk. Okay. So tell everybody kind of like My what story. Your, <laughs> your trajectory has been because yeah. you went from like bankrupt, bankrupt, metric shit ton of debt to. Yep. yep. So this time last year, exactly this time last year. So we're in November as Heather and I are talking right now, November of 2021. So in November of 2020, I had just over $100,000 in debt and I had um, made just about $80,000. Mm-hmm. And I love those numbers because what I did was I decided I will leverage every inch and every opportunity of debt to learn how to make money. I prioritize learning how to make money so that I would have more than enough to cover all of my debt over everything. So exactly this time last year, all the credit cards were maxed out. Um, I'd already sold my car to have extra money the summer before. Mm-hmm. And I lived with my partner at the time. And so, you know, I only had half of rent and, um, oh, had borrowed from, I <laughs> call my M's. My partner at the time, Matt, my friend, Melanie, and my mom. So like <laughs> all the M's. I, all my M's. There was yep. Matt, Melanie, and mom. And all in, I owed just over $100,000. And I'd made just about seventy. Yeah. I then made one hundred ten k in December. <laughs> so I ended the calendar year at one ninety seven. So for those who are like, I'm sorry, did she make more in one month than she had made all year? Yes. The answer is yes. That's right. <laughs> I more than doubled my previous 11 months in one month. And I had another six-figure month that January. And so at this calendar year, 2021 November, I'm at 535. And my plan is to double that shit and come in at past a million in December. Yeah. I have a long history of doubling in December. And I by love long it. history, this would be my third year, hopefully. Okay. So you're going to become a millionaire this year. Yes. 
Yes. And like, that's the joke is I'm like, oh my God, literally 12 months ago, I had $100,000 over in debt and had only made 70. And I'm like, and now I have no debt whatsoever. I have over $100,000 cash. I just ordered my first Tesla. And like, what's happening? I live yeah. by myself. That part's a little sad, but I got all what the is no the, problem. What is the belief that you had or what is the thought that changed for you that took you from the person that had just enough to this person that's now like, yeah, I'm like, it's November right now. I'm literally going to make a million dollars this year. I mean, I didn't know I'd make a million. I think what plugged in for me when I started to really connect the dots truly, truly, that the patriarchy, the greatest system of oppression is harmful to everyone, not mm-hmm. just me, mm-hmm. not just women, mm-hmm. not just people of color. Mm-hmm. My ex-partner is a able-bodied, six-foot, broad-shouldered white man. When mm-hmm. I really started to see that the patriarchy is harmful to all of us, it restricts yeah. each of us. It tells yes. each of us, you can't be who you are. And I'd hate for you to like yourself. Yeah. Then, and you better not. You, and you better not say it out loud if you do. <laughs> oh, God, no. Right? Like, you know, I was like, wait a minute. The patriarchy is basically limiting exactly every single human I know of. And yeah. it has to do with animal abuse and has to do with all the things that hurt my heart. I got rebellious as the understatement, but it was like, burn it all down. Mm-hmm. So everywhere I found, you know, wait, I feel terrified in my body to like charge money. And I was like, why? And I'm like, because it's audacious as a woman. And technically, according to all of the charts or whatever that they're like, you know, Latina women make the least. I am a half black woman, but I certainly present as Latina. You know, not everyone's like, can I see your exact heritage? So I'm like, I'm in the category that's supposed to make quote the least. And Which it was box just did like, you check on your application. <laughs> oh my God, seriously. Grow up half Trust me. It's like, uh, what are you? And I'm like, I'm not going to go through this whole jam. But like, <laughs> Literally, it was, it became and has remained a social justice issue. Yeah. We have all the stats that, you know, well resourced women take care of their communities on a global scale. And I would argue woke men as well. And I was just like, oh my God, here's who benefits when I'm in my struggle story. Here's who benefits when I was within $5 of my life. Here's who benefits, you know, when I'm ultimately letting other people make the decisions, have the money, run the politics. I didn't like who it was. <laughs> I yeah. was like, Isn't that insane too? It's like, I can keep in my story about how hard this is and how I'm not like, who am I to make money and who am I to do a hard flip the script? For me, it was just a hard flip the script. I was like, this is for everyone else who has brown skin. This is for everyone else who identifies as a black woman. This yeah. is for every one of my black ancestors who suffered and weren't in a position to say anything or do things. And they had to take whatever crumbs they were given. This is for my white ancestors on the Italian side who felt just the same. This is for my white waspy ancestors who work, 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 and are allowed no emotions. Like, this is breaking, in my opinion, not just me, not just you, but everyone who identifies as a helper in the world, also standing in like the innate power and worthiness and authority of like, I'm going to go ahead and get charged for my shit so that I am self-sufficient and supported. Not to prioritize independence, not to hyper-prioritize because that's all patriarchal. Yeah. But the, you know, I, I don't, you know, we talk about healthcare in this country. It's the worst. But you know what? It's a lot it's, cooler being able to pay that bill every month because just yeah. two years ago, it was still a huge monthly nervous system freak out and stretch. Yeah. Like you still need those services as a human, right? I, haven't, I don't even use them. I literally haven't even touched my healthcare in years, which is mm-hmm. not great. I have a doctor's appointment on Wednesday, by the way. But like not even using them. It just, I remember my accountant who mostly is my favorite and was like, you need to make more money for, I don't know, 10 or 12 years. But I remember, you know, being, he yelled at me once because I stopped paying for my insurance. Yeah. 
And he pointed out to me what I was really doing was endangering my family. Yeah. It's like if you get into something horrible without your insurance, they will spend whatever they can to try to keep you alive. And good news is maybe you would live. Bad news is and they would have nothing. And I was like, fucking Ernie. Okay. <laughs> I have prioritized that monthly payment ever since. But you know what I mean? It's this yeah. like, that's the system that I'm like, getting by allows that system to continue. Yeah. And I think just questioning the system in general, like, Ooh. I think yeah. I didn't question it so much. I started following you like around probably June 2020, you know, mm-hmm. and like, I loved everything you had to say. And it t- totally allowed me to start questioning why I do things the way I do and like, why, you know, why do I go along with some of this stuff? Right. (laughs) Well, we were trained to like, don't shame yourself. It's like, this is it. But I think you're referencing, I've talked often about like, we're not supposed to talk openly about money for the same reasons we're not supposed to talk openly about racism. Exactly. Yeah. And we're all like awkward. What do I do with my hands when I'm talking about Yeah, I don't know. Right. We just got to be awkward together because I'm here for it. We break the mold when we're like, hold on, question mark. Yeah. And like, oh, I just love that so much. But you've been very inspirational for me. And I know for thousands of other women, not only in the coaching world, but just anyone who just happens to stumble upon your messaging. You know, I wasn't even involved in coaching when I first started following you. And just to kind of like watch your journey and see what you were willing to say is not any different than what you say now before Mm -hmm. you were really found Mm -hmm. your voice. Does that make sense? Like, it like honors you, me greatly. Thank you. Because yeah. I didn't now I'm like, I have money. I'll say what I want also. But you also <laughs> that's, but you also did it then. That's my point. I didn't. That was, it was terrifying to my nervous system then because I yeah. for sure didn't. I was within an inch of my life literally until December of last year. Yeah. But I mean when I started following you like in June. Yeah. You were saying things though. Yeah, because I was mad. And and I'm that's what I'm saying. Thank you for what you're saying, because yeah. it felt very dangerous in my body to speak out. Yeah. It felt like, what if no one ever buys for me? What mm-hmm. if people decide that like, oh no, she's just insert whatever. Mm-hmm. And so it was terrifying to me on a regular basis in my nervous system. Yeah, And then that probably explains why I've made so much money because I had to learn. I'm still learning. You know that. <laughs> like, you know, more than most, I'm still learning how to regulate my nervous system. But it's like, once I realized there's such sweet nectar in speaking truth, and such connection when sometimes people are like, hey, man, thanks for saying that. Yeah. Um, and you're not going to die just for being you. So far, no. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I say this, too, because I think people listening to yes. they when they announce that they have become an MFR therapist, when they announce oh, yeah. that they are not doing massage therapy anymore, they're not doing traditional physical therapy, they're not doing traditional speech therapy, they're not doing traditional occupational therapy. It is like the biggest coming out like, yeah. And they're so petrified and terrified to just show up. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. what if they could just stand in the power and be okay with being scared AF? Like, I'm scared right now. Yes. But. Yes. And then, you know, your superwoman cape is like flowing off in the background (laughs) because you know it's coming. You gave me chills because you reminded me that someone really smart and cool once talked about courage is not the absence of fear. It's doing the thing even while you're afraid. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it just felt like to not speak to some of the things that I saw might actually kill me. Yeah. (laughs) Like that, it felt like that was like only by a little, but like that might kill me. So I needed to do what I could in the ways that I could. And I, I'm so grateful that you said that because I'm like, oh, right. I think coming out is the scary part. And then, and then it gets neuro normalized. And Mm -hmm. I think we're talking about the witch wound. 
And again, not just the trauma we've all inherited from our ancestors, but Resma Manikin, who wrote the book, My Grandmother's Hands, who's a black mm. trauma therapist who I recommend to everyone on the planet. Yep, I have um, that book. Of course you do. <laughs> yes. He talks about- And I have it on um, audio too. <laughs> you're like, I have all of Resma. Hard. Yes. He talks about the intergenerational trauma, you know, takes six generations to resolve. So anyone between, if you're listening to my voice at this time, anyone between your great, 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 great grandmother and grandfather, anyone in there who ever got punished for like going against the norm or changing their career or speaking out like that yeah. lives in you. Yeah. So it is a very real nervous system. What the fuck is like, stop yeah. when we yeah. like, do I also or say love, the thing. I love that too, because I feel like I've always kind of gone against the easy route or whatever. I've kind of always put myself out there. And then while I'm doing that, I'm scared and terrified and I have no guarantee that things are going to work out, but they almost always have. Like I can't even yeah. think of a time where something didn't work out. I used to think because I didn't get into a master's program after my social work degree that that was like the biggest failure of my life. Uh-uh. And now I keep thinking like, had that worked out, I would not have had the opportunity no. to then switch to become a massage therapist, to then switch to become an MFR therapist, to now become a coach for MFR therapists, yes. right? And it's like, I'm so thankful for some of the things that didn't work out that should have been the right way to do it. <laughs> it's almost like you're divinely guided at all times, almost. which yes. I think we all are. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, I just want to thank you so much for your time today. I'm sure maybe I can have you on again because I know we could just talk for days and days. So money, money, money. Let's talk about money. I want I all love of your, your brain practitioners. And I love knowing that you are just out in the world. You are a woman. You're a woman of color and you are making, you're going to make a million dollars. That's mind blowing. And also I'm like, damn, Skippy, let's go. And you're like, of course <laughs> I'm making a million. And when I think about you too, I'm like, of course she's doing that. Like, why not? It's crazy though, guys. Yeah. I was bankrupt for like $40,000, <sighs> which... I mean, that makes sense to me, but I literally couldn't fathom getting out of that debt. And I'm like, I make that much in a day sometimes. <laughs> I can't wait to see you beat beeping in your Tesla. What kind of Tesla are you getting? I went for the Model 3. It's the total entry-level drug. Actually, it's what my ex had, so it's familiar. Yeah. Okay. And since Tesla, it's, they're like one of the safest vehicles on the road. They're also really fast. And I went with pearly white. Ooh, and I'm going to black out all the windows. And Are you getting the white interior or what color? Yes. I don't understand when people don't get the white interior. I it's so sharp. <laughs> I'm actually already freaking out because I'm getting the 2021 and they don't have the white on the inside of the doors now. Oh. And so I'm genuinely like, I might have to get used because now it looks a little more standard. It doesn't, it's not high. It's not the same level of sexy. Yeah. Well. So we'll see. I might spend exactly as much <laughs> to get a two-year-old Tesla based on the white interior, but we do what we want. I love it. And when you have a million dollars, you can get whatever right. fucking Tesla you want. It's like <laughs> the way right. I'm like, this one's like 50,000, which still feels like an entirely reasonable spend. But I'm also like, you know, if you told Serena five years ago, you're going to make a million and you're going to spend 50,000, she'd be confused. She'd be like, why isn't she buying a Rolls Royce? Yeah. <laughs> and the answer is that's not where we invest our money. Yeah. You know what to do with all of yeah. the money. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Okay. Spend it on my brain. So for anyone that's listening to this that is confused by money, get a coach. <laughs> yes. God, yes. And follow me on Instagram or Facebook. I like yes. to think my free content is valuable. It is so valuable. So yes, thank Everybody you. Follow Serena. Are you at Serena Hicks on social media? Um, on Instagram, I'm XOXO Serena Hicks as a okay. nod to the old Gossip Girl show. That I, I love that. So that. Of course that. Of course that's what that's <laughs> a nod to because, oh my gosh, yeah. you're so cool. Serena Hicks oh. is one of the coolest girls I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping blushing. to meet her in person someday. So We're totally going to meet in April. Yes, and we are. <laughs> so 
I'm like, I live just down the street from the JW Marriott. Come over. Okay, I already booked my room today, so I will see you there. Perfect. And yeah. on Facebook, don't go to my professional page. I'll do that someday when I grow up. I'm just Serena Hicks AF. Okay. That's just my personal page. Find me there. Serena Heather's Hicks my friend. AF, which is yeah. totally, it's perfect. It's Classy, just, huh? I love it. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Heather. All right, everybody. I will see you next week on another episode of the MFR Coaches Podcast. Bye. Thanks for joining me this week on the MFR Coaches Podcast. Check out my book, The MFR Coaches Guide to Having Your Own Myofascial Release Business. Autographed copies are available at my website, www.themfrcoach.com. Kindle version and print also available on Amazon. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram at The MFR Coach for more info on today's topic. As always, subscribe to the show to catch every new episode and leave us a review so we can continue to bring you fresh content. See you next week.